Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Hancock Whitney. Hancock Whitney is here for families, here for businesses, here for communities during this challenging time. Visit HancockWhitney.com slash COVID-19 for the latest. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Peony on Magazine Street, exceptional women's and children's clothes and gifts. From our socially distanced virtual lunch table in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Aschuti, Tulane University Freeman School of Business professor and director of the Birkenrode Reports. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Aschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Over the course of the pandemic, we've all learned something about ourselves and about other people. Well, we've probably learned a bunch of things, actually, but one of them is that we all have two sets of clothes. One set of the clothes we wear when we go out so that we look presentable, and the other set of clothes that we wear at home where apparently it doesn't matter if we look like something the cat dragged in. Although that probably says a lot about our psychological self-image and the disparity between appearance and reality, it was never an issue in our lives until Zoom. If you're lucky enough to not know what Zoom is, it's a video communication tool in which people you work with can see through the sartorial facade you maintain at work and find out what you look like when you're at home. So, what's the protocol in your opinion? Do you let people see what you really look like? Do you get changed into your decent clothes before you get on a Zoom call for work? Or do you compromise and wear a nice top but stick with the workout pants that the coffee stain is on that really never came out and under the presumption nobody will ever see them? If you're a woman and you wear a muumuu, does that fit into the leisure wear category or is it a fashion statement? The answer is both, and it's exactly this work-from-home Zoom culture, comfort-meets-fashion trend that is driving the renewed popularity of the Moomoo. At the forefront of this resurgence is a local fashion house called Under the Moomoo. The owner of Under the Moomoo is Lou Nicotera. Lou, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you, Peter. It's a pleasure to be here. Here's another clothes experience you might have thought was just your own particular problem that isn't. Apparently, we all do this. You open your closet, and there are plenty of clothes in there, but although you've bought every item in your closet, nothing is what you're looking for, and you sincerely believe you have nothing to wear. The most common solution to this dilemma is to go buy new clothes. That's an expensive, short-term solution that just repeats the behavior that got you to this point, and so ultimately only compounds the problem. Another solution is to call Shelley Malashi. Shelley is a style coach and wardrobe consultant. For substantially less than it costs you to buy new clothes, Shelley will give you a whole new perspective on your current wardrobe. She claims that in one session, she can typically put together 30 different outfits using only items you already own. Shelley, welcome out to lunch. Thank you, Peter. Thanks for having this conversation. <laughs> Lou, you have a more traditional clothing company called High Kick Clothing, and we'll get to that uh, a bit later. But for now, let's talk about Under the Moo Moo. Like a lot of successful startup businesses, this company grew out of your own experience. In this case, your fondness for the Moo Moos. 
You were a costume designer for movies and TV shows, and you had a personal collection of vintage moo-moos. Long before the pandemic and the work-from-home trend was born back in 2017, you decided to launch Under the Moo Moo as a business. Even the word Moo Moo sounds like something from an era long ago and, and far away. What did you see back in 2017 that made you feel there was a, a market for Moo Moos? It was entirely the spectacle of wearing them and the reaction of people as I would pass them on the street. I found myself being stopped by more complete strangers wearing a gigantic floral dress than I would if I was wearing some high-end designer piece. It was something that was so disruptive to the visual eye that they would immediately have to stop and go, oh my gosh, what is that that you have on? You look amazing. And being the type of person that I am, I love talking to strangers and I think that's almost inherent for anybody from New Orleans. I would take that as an opportunity to say, oh my gosh, thank you, that's so kind of you. And then immediately transition into something else. One of the funniest moments I ever had was driving through a toll booth and immediately the toll booth operator was just like, you know, here's your change. And then they were like, whoa, you look bright today. And then because they were wearing a neon vest, I got to go, so do you. And the toll booth operator got a laugh. I got a laugh. And it just seemed like something that the world needed a little bit more of. And now when you go to a toll booth, they're almost all wearing moo-moos, which is, which is really I mean, incredible. that would be the ultimate goal that I hadn't <laughs> even considered. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> now, one of the things you do is you are very good at, at finding fabric and uh, very interesting fabric. Uh, but you do it, uh, you, you sort, try to source it ethically. And also you get... Um, what's called, uh, I guess called dead stock, you know, the, uh, the, uh, this is so, but this seems to be hard to do in the age of COVID. Like you can't really walk around somebody's warehouse and say, Bob, uh, how much is this lonely bolt of fabric? What do you do? Exactly. Well, that's part of, uh, one of the reasons that I am now in the Hudson Valley. I, um, realized that my supply chain had completely shut down. Normally I would fly to Los Angeles and go pick everything out by hand. And coming up here, it was just supposed to be a quick visit to see a friend and, and be able to go into New York since New York had started to reopen. Um, and so I was able to find fabric in the city. And then I started going through old swatches that I had and was able to contact my warehouse out in Los Angeles. And based on that, got another role coming. But yeah, it's been really difficult. The normal um, variety of options that I would be able to offer has completely been limited. And it's also forced me to think about utilizing solid colors, which to me is blasphemy in terms of what I do. But there is an entire market of women out there that um, much like you have to learn how to try new foods, you'd have to learn how to try new shapes. And it might be easier to do that wearing a solid color versus wearing something that's super bright. Now, Shelly, there's definitely a trend towards democratizing things that used to be the province of only wealthy people. For example, only the wealthiest among us had a chauffeur. Now we can all summon a private driver on our Uber app. Uh, the same accessibility now applies to a personal trainer or a yoga teacher or spa treatment. So I can see how wardrobe consultant might fit into that trend. It does, however, seem to be a little less obvious. Having someone advise you what to wear is something most people have probably never considered. So even though it's actually pretty sensible and makes long-term financial sense, I would think there's an element of education required to get people to understand what you do and want to pay for it. Uh, how do you find customers and how do you introduce your services to a market that has 
probably never considered anything like this. Yes, you're absolutely right. People kind of think, well, what's a style coach? You know, it's not very self-explanatory, but you know, our friends have been getting in our closets with us and helping us get dressed for dates and for weddings. And I'm that friend. I'm that person that can get in your closet and help you get dressed. I dress my brothers, I dress my friends, and I just do it as a profession. So I kind of meet people where they are. I say, you've already done this. You've had your bestie in here helping you get ready. I'm that person. And that opens that door and they think, oh, oh, she's not Kim Kardashian stylist. Well, absolutely not. Much more reasonable, much more real. And, you know, you've got a special skill right here in, in the Zoom era because you were a TV anchor. And that's sort of, every time I do Zoom, I sort of think it's our own little TV show. And, uh, and of course, TV is a particularly unforgiving uh, kind of kind of place. I mean, you, you get kind of washed out, you look heavier, all of that. Um, so how does that fit into what's going on today? It was that, you know, the word of the year for now is pivot. How do you pivot in your career? And Lou, you used to fly to Los Angeles and now you moved, you physically moved yourself. So I pivoted in that I can't get in your closet anymore because we're much too close, but I can on Zoom. And we are all being asked to show up on Zoom all the time for networking or for work. There's a way to do it. It really is, because you've seen that hot mess show up on Zoom already. You've seen that. I, I've seen it too. I can show you how to avoid the hot mess look. You know what I think would be tough is to try to tell somebody uh, they don't look particularly good in something, even though they bought it and you know they m might think it's pretty great. They already know. I ask them when they have it. I said, you're, you're actually a psychiatrist, apparently. Well, there's a, there's... you know, there's something to that. There's a lot of emotions that go on in a closet. And there's a lot of trust letting somebody come in and see what you got in there. So when they put on something and I look at them and say, how do you, how do you feel in that? They already know. It doesn't feel good. It's not me. Take it off. Not a tattoo, it's clothes. Take it off. Well, I ha I'm one of the best dressed people in radio, uh, mainly because I do the show at Commander's Palace. Uh, we're, we're a notoriously poorly dressed industry, I'd like to, like to point out. And Lou, um, you actually make this clothing in the U.S. And we, you know, we've had so many guests on designers, and that's almost never the case. How do you do it? Um, it started out more as necessity because the bolts of fabric that I was finding were smaller and it was more important for me to keep the collection small because I wanted it to feel like vintage. I didn't want there to be thousands of pieces out there. I wanted it to be something small that could be coveted. And there's actually a factory right in New Orleans. I was living in the Bywater and it was down the street from me and through networking, um, being in costume, found out using them as a resource and they're a full house. You can get patterns done there, sampling and, um, and an entire line made. They'll do as little as one piece if you need it. And so it worked out perfectly for me to be able to test it out in the beginning. And then I also having uh, skills from being a design student, it was important for me to understand how everything was constructed. So I was that really stubborn business owner that insisted upon doing everything by myself in the beginning. Because for me, if I'm going to ask somebody to do it for me, I want to know what I'm asking them to do. So some of the pieces I would send away to the factory and then some pieces, if I could do them quickly, I was doing them myself. And uh, there, there are plenty of Moo Moo novices. I'm actually one of them. And uh, I'm, yes. uh, can you help us out? I think of it as a loose-fitting 
dress or shirt or a house coat? Am I getting close? 100%. It originated in Hawaii and it actually came from Protestant settlers moving into the islands and the majority of the natives were naked and they didn't want to see naked bodies. So they created these super loose dresses that had these floral patterns that mimicked the land to help them feel more comfortable being clothed, which was not natural to them. So for me, I was a curvaceous girl growing up, which wasn't very common. I was the only person that had hips. And so trying to find clothing was always difficult. I was always buying my dresses too big so they would fit. So wearing something a little bit bigger was natural to me. But there was also this freedom and this flow that came with it. And it just started to become a regular thing where I would be in a thrift store for work and then I'd find this thing staring at me and it's like an emotional reaction. Oh my God, I have to have you. I'd take it home, I'd put it on, I'd wear it out in public and people would have the same emotional reaction. And it's like, okay, okay. So it's a bit of an educational process because a lot of women tend to say, oh, you know, you wear that really well, but I never could. And going back to the psychological comment earlier, I do think it has a lot to deal with security of self in being able to put one on. I find people who are more insecure in their wardrobe choices and with their bodies tend to pick them less than the ones who are absolutely okay with anything going on their body. Because it's a giant statement. It says, here I am, look at me now. And if you don't want to be seen, you're probably not going to want to wear a moo now. But there is a freedom and there's a personal revolution that comes with wearing one. It's basically like Diana Ross walking onto stage, throwing her arms out wide and saying, I'm coming out. Like that is to me, what defines what I call the movement. The movement. Yes. Oh, excellent. (laughs) You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with fashion designer and manufacturer Lou Nicotera from Under the Moo Moo and High Kick Clothing and style coach Shelly Malashi. Now, Shelly, do you ever, I think we've all done this, we have clothes in our closet that don't, no longer fit, probably because we put on a few pounds. Uh, do we keep them? Do we throw them out? I had a friend who had a very big house, and um, I used to laugh because he was always so proud of the fact he had a, his name was Bill, and he had a fat Bill closet and a skinny Bill closet. Uh, what, what, <laughs> what, what are we supposed to be doing? Do we just hope we'll get back to that size? Everybody has that closet, Peter. It's called the before closet. Before the baby. The before the divorce. The before the 20 pounds. Everybody has that closet. We, we keep it. And it's such a pain point in our life. You know, do you really need to visit that every single morning when you get dressed? What a depressor. So I, it definitely is one of the five steps that we do in your closet is getting rid of your before closet. It does not serve you. I'm going to lose those 10 pounds. Yeah, but you ain't going to wear those clothes again. You're not even that person anymore. And Lou said it beautifully. Confidence, baby. When you walk in a room, you own it. And I love the idea of wearing a muumu like that and walking in the room like Diana Ross. Girl, I love that. <laughs> now, Shelly, you, one of the ways you got clients uh, was you did quite a bit of speaking. Um, uh, and I don't, uh, I do some speaking too, and it's just kind of kind of disappeared here. Uh, what are you doing to pick up the slack? I just went to a presentation yesterday in Ocean Springs, Mississippi, and there were seven of us in the room. So we kept it small and we kept it separate to the best of our ability. And it was like drinking water again after years of, you know, ladies bought the clothes off the rack 
I brought clothes to show and try on, and they bought half of them right off the rack. And I thought, wow, y'all needed a little something-something. <laughs> <laughs> so it's starting to come back a little bit, Peter, but I am trying to uh, live in the, the social media moment and trying to build my presence online and be seen every day, be seen, be seen, be seen. And I'm saying to everyone, get dressed. Just get dressed. It will fundamentally change your day. And yes. just start there. <laughs> I tell my students to make their bed. Yes. You get things like that. Hey, Shelly, how is it possible? You know, we were in our right mind when we bought these clothes. How is it possible that we now hate so many things in our closet? What happened? Would it surprise you guys to know that we wear 20% of the clothes in our closet, the same clothes, over and over and over again? The reason we do it is we get in a rut, it gets comfortable, and we don't know how to change it up. Not everybody has that skill of Lou with a designer background who can walk in a room and say, oh, you just spoke to me, and grab it and know what to do with it. I was trained as a television reporter. They bring consultants in and they say, here's how to dress, here's how to do your hair, your makeup, here's how to stand, here's how to speak. They train you to do that stuff. So I take what I learned and I show you how to do it in your own closet. You have everything you need, I promise you. Let me show you. Now, Lou, you've got uh, kind of two businesses in one. The other one, that uh, high kicking, that, that is um, kind of uh, designs using uh, that very light seersucker clothing. And uh, we had uh, Lori Haspel on the show once. It's a, she was great and it's a great product. Um, uh, they're different. I know the two lines are different, but one of the things that struck me was the first company, the Moomoo company, you own outright, and the second company you have an investor in. Does that change how you work as a business person day to day? It does in terms of long-term planning. Um, with Under the Moomoo, I wanted it to feel more like a laboratory where I had the freedom to experiment and see what worked and what didn't. Whereas with high kick clothing, I had a very specific vision outright. And my investor was actually one of my first customers. And it sort of happened on a whim where he asked me to do something for him, custom. And I had already had an idea brewing in the back of my mind. And he was that first person that confirmed the weird idea that I had to take something as traditional as seersucker, most notably used in suiting, and find it in the brightest colors possible and make adult-sized overalls and hookups. Because again, why not be comfortable and be seen at the same time? Now, so thematically, they cross over, but the businesses do not intersect themselves. And But you do, uh, it's not traditional... Uh, selling and wholesaling the way I would think of most clothing lines. Uh, you're, you're small batch. Uh, you do a lot online. W where else do you uh, find an outlet? Pop-ups. Pop-ups is the way to go. Um, I found it works great pairing with stores that have a large following already where the audience might not know who I am. And just through their promotion of their customer, it ends up creating new relationships for me. And it works out perfectly because usually with pop-ups, you want a smaller stock available. And so it creates more exclusivity in that moment for those shoppers and gives them more of a reason to buy immediately. Um, but for instance, like going into a Dillard's would just be a disaster for you, right? Never. Never, never. never. Oh, 
Never. No. <laughs> After. Well, and another big thing, too, especially with um, with our present state of affairs with the pandemic, I've noticed that a lot of the fashion industry is suffering because their normal way of operation is no longer working because people are not in the stores. They're not buying as much as they used to. They don't have the reasons to buy. And a lot of what is being discussed is moving into a made to order format, which I have a factory on standby to do that that's in Alabama and it's mostly computer operated the people are actually sewing but it allows you more freedom in creating more of a customized piece for yourself you can create different hem lengths you can create different sleeve lengths and so when you're placing that order you can make it fit exactly as you want to and so you won't have to have issues in the future where you won't want to wear it because it's no longer fitting the way that you thought it would. And I, it's something I'm considering because it seems like a very sustainable model to go forward. There's less waste and there's also less overhead to consider. And Shelly, when I first heard about what you did, my very first vision was you walk into a closet, there's a lot of empty hangers and you just go all Joan Crawford on them. Is that, <laughs> uh, is that? Yes, Peter, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> and how do you find that, that I guess what I, I mean, I'm thinking of your business, I would think sometimes it's just one and done. And then other times, maybe somebody twice a year brings you in to, to go over the closet again. Is it both? Yes, it is. And this morning, one of my clients said, my hair is flat. What do I do to puff up my hair? I, well, okay. And another one was on vacation, forgot her makeup bag and said, I'm standing at Walmart right now. What lipstick do I buy? Huh. Well, wow. Wow. Uh, and um, where do you see, um, uh, Shelly, where do you see this going uh, um, in a few years? You know, you got started and before you really got ramped up, um, you had the, uh, the pandemic. Do you feel like you've lost some momentum or is that something you can get past? I was utterly gutted, Peter. Gutted. It was really going. It was really taking off. I had four appointments, presentations scheduled and it went to zero. And you know, you panic, cause I just got started. And I said, all right, pivot. And I started seeing everybody put everything online and I knew I could do it. When you think about it, there's no real need for human beings to wear clothes. Uh, skin is waterproof. We don't absolutely need to live in places where it's too cold to survive without a winter coat. In most places we could do just fine naked, but nonetheless, every single human society on earth wears some sort of clothing. For many of us, including our own culture, our choices of clothes are both symbols of belonging to a larger group and an expression of our individuality within that group. We devote about 4% of our annual income to clothing, which is pretty significant if you think that we spend about 11% on food. Whether you want to wear a bold fashion statement like a muumuu or need help convincing yourself to wear the clothes hanging in your closet, you're in the right place here in New Orleans. Lou and Shelley, this has been so much fun. It's been fascinating and informative. Thank you both for taking the time to join me today and out to lunch. Thank you. This was absolutely fantastic. I had a fun time. I enjoyed every minute. Thank you, both of you. My guests and out to lunch today have been Lou Nicotera. She's the owner, operator of Under the Moomoo and High Kick Clothing and style coach Shelly Malashi. We edited this show to fit into our time slot here at WWNO. You can hear the unedited conversation and find out more about Lou's Moomoo's 
which is a fun thing to say, and other clothes, and Shelly's style of coaching. By listening to the Out to Lunch podcast, you can find and subscribe to the Out to Lunch podcast anywhere you get podcasts, and on our website, it's neworleans.com. If you want to know what we look like, you can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and on our Out to Lunch social media. These photos were taken today by Jill LaFleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at LaFleurphoto.com. At some point, we're going to be back to hosting Out to Lunch around the real world table. But for right now, Commander's Palace is open for dinner seven nights a week and jazz brunch on the weekends. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris, our technical producer is Eric Merle, and our researcher is Maggie Mendel. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the lunch table for more business, New Orleans style, on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Hancock Whitney. Hancock Whitney is here for families, here for businesses, here for communities during this challenging time. Visit HancockWhitney.com slash COVID-19 for the latest. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Peony on Magazine Street, exceptional women's and children's clothes and gifts. And by Basics Swim and Gym and Basics Underneath Fine Lingerie, the It's New Orleans Happy Hour podcast. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. 